we, I want to explain to you that God has a strategy when it comes to your irritation level. Differences make for irritation. And there is a strategy, an intention of differences, irritating differences. Now, let's go all the way back to the beginning. And I, and I, and I want to show you that, that irritation doesn't have to end up in conflict. Uh, and it can, but I'll even tell you how to make conflict better. But um, um, let's go back to the beginning when, when Adam was alone. Uh, God made Adam put him in the garden to till it and to keep it, uh, Genesis 2, uh, 15. Uh, and then he says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I've taught you this before. Uh, the Hebrew is um, one who talks back. I will, I will give him someone who talks back to him. And there is a little hint of irritation there. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib of the, uh, that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Wait a minute. She'd just been taken out of the man. Why did he need to bring her? Because she was in a different place. She saw things in a different perspective. Do you know what they call somebody who sees things differently than you? Irritating. <laughs> irritating. If you're married to someone who is irritating check. That's intentional because you need someone who will see things differently than you. It took place when God was putting together the church with spiritual giftedness. You know, many people don't read this when they read uh, one of the main um, um, chapters of the Bible about the differentiating uh, different gifts. Uh, it says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit or a spiritual gift for the good of all, for the common good. But did you know there was a lot of division and wars and irritation going on there? Well, listen to these verses. This is, this is um, um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. He just said, you're one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Head to the feet, I don't need you. Do you know why he had to say that? Because there were people who were telling each other, I don't need you. There was irritation there. There was division there. As a matter of fact, in the next verse we take a look at, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Do you know why he has said that? Because there was division in the body. Let's take a look at the next one. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 29, and it says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? He went down the entire list of the spiritual gifts he had just named, and he just said, Is everybody like you? No. Do you know why he had to say that? Because we get irritated when people aren't like us. And so he's saying, everybody's not like you by design. You're going to be irritated. You're going to be irritated because there are differences. Now, why does God make differences? Because that's the way we grow. 
you don't grow from somebody being the same as you are. You're, you're encouraged, you're affirmed, but you don't grow. We only grow by differences. We only grow, watch this, both in our role and in the identification of our giftedness by differences. I, I didn't do this in the first service, now, and I'm, I'm going to skip over the, the uh, Exodus things, but I got a lot of Jewish friends and, and, and uh, rabbi friends, and, and, uh, and they, they argue with God all the time. It's just a part. They do theology by argument. And they get that out of, out of Exodus, where, where Moses keeps arguing with God. You, ever, you, ever, you, you remember these, right? I, I can't, don't send me, I'm the wrong person. They argue. And God said, no, I'm, I'm sending you. And then there's this, the, the, the passages where, where, you know, God just determined he's going to destroy him. And Moses is going, oh, don't just, no, don't, you know, let me, and they argue. And then, well, God, what if I can find 12 people? What if I can find 10 people? What if I can? And they argue. And, and the Bible says, you know, that, that then God relents. In other words, God changes his mind. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think God changes his mind because we out-argue him? <laughs> Do you really think God's going, oh, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> You're right. What was the point of God arguing? So that Moses would grow into his role as an advocate, as a defender of the people. That's, it was about Moses' growth. It wasn't about God's correction. And so therefore, we need to understand that differences are necessary for our growth and the affirmation of our particular distinctive roles. Do you remember when the sisters were arguing? Well, they weren't. Martha was. Martha was just irritated with Mary because Jesus had come, and Martha was a doer, you know? She was getting it. She was doing the practical things, and that's just how she's wired, you know? And Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And Martha gets so irritated. In Luke chapter 10, before this verse, before the verse I'm going to show you, it says, she, she says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, this is one of the oldest tricks in the book. If you can't get somebody to do what you want them to do, you sick the authority on them. You know, I can't tell you the number of calls I've had. Pastor, you need to talk to so-and-so. They respect you. They won't listen to anybody but you. You need to talk to them so because they're not acting right. You need to get out. No, we're not playing sick the pastor on your friend or your relative. We're not going there. Lord, don't you care? You know, do you not care? I love that. Do you not care? What did Jesus say? He said, Martha. <clears throat> said, you're, you're, you're worried about so many things. Luke 10, 41. You're worried about and upset about, about many, so many things. And then in verse 42, it says, really, there's only one thing you need to remember. Now, let me, let me point something out to you. He didn't say, you know, Mary's chosen the better part. You need to just join her on the floor here. And you need to listen to me. He didn't try to dissuade her from what she was doing. He's just saying, Mary's paying attention to me. 
while you're doing what you're doing, remember the important thing, you're doing it for me. It says in Colossians, everything you do, do as unto the Lord. All your work, do as unto the Lord. Here's the one thing that's important. She's paying attention to me, you're paying attention to me. She has her role, you have your role. You have, there's a different giftedness here, but the point is that I want you to be under, you understand <clears throat> that I'm helping you develop your calling by your irritation. See, if you're continually irritated with something, chances are that's part of your spiritual gifting. I can tell you, I've had, so, over the years when I was a pastor in a congregation, I had countless dozens of people come up to me, don't you care? You know, pastor, you know, uh, you, just, people just need practical instruction. People would do what they know to do if it's just broken down in simple terms for them. Pastor, people are, are broken in their lives. They're hurting. They have problems. They can't listen to your religious stuff until you actually minister to their needs. Pastor, all these people in this world need Jesus. They need, they need the peace that we have. And we sit in our little religious huddles and they're out wandering and, and, and bruising themselves. I just named to you three different concerns with three spiritual giftedness. Amen. Three different... The person who is concerned that we explain things to people, they have the, practically have the gift of teaching, practically speaking. The person who is concerned that we have the the practical um, compassion ministry to people who are hurting and broken and, and, and have problems in their lives. They have the gift of mercy. They have the gift of service. You, you, you name it, you can, you, can, you can search it out with them. The people who are worried about those people who don't have Jesus, they have the gift of evangelism. If you're irritated with something, that's not about them. That's about you. Your irritation is how God teaches your responsibility. That's how he teaches and develops in us our responsibility. Now, our irritation can reach the level of conflict and can reach the level of combat. But it, it doesn't need to. Becky and I have been married for 46 years. We have never had a fight. Never had a fight. Now, have we had disagreements? You betcha. Have we been irritated with one another? Well, she's been irritated with me. No. I'm a pretty irritating person. <clears throat> but we have learned that God does not give us a ministry of correction. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand that? In 2 Corinthians 5.17... There's this great, you know, if any man be in Christ, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. The new has come. And the very next sentence there, um, uh, did I uh, mark that? Um, yes, the very next sentence is, um, and all this is from God who reckons, I didn't give this to the slide person. This is a late breaking. This just in. <laughs> all this is from God who reconciled us, uh, I'm sorry, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry 
of reconciliation. We do not have the ministry of accusation. You know who the accuser is, right? That's the enemy. We're not the accuser. We don't have the ministry of accusation. We don't have the ministry of correction. You'll hear in just a moment. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And so therefore, when it starts to heat up and go toward conflict, we don't need to go to combat because there are certain tools that you can use in order to have the best possible income or outcome, I'm sorry, for our irritation to make the most of our differences. I'm going to give you just three, three principles. First of all, keep in mind that the emotion, keep in mind the emotion and the rational teeter-totter dynamic. Now, I I want to show you something, um, um, just practically speaking. When you are getting more and more irritated, and it's easier to do in this culture, and I'm going to say something about that in a minute, because we have a culture of heightened irritation and conflict. But when you're getting more and more irritated, this is what, first of all, you have to understand that, that this may be going in the wrong direction for an immediate solution. Because what happens is, when you are getting into this mentality, I'm surrounded by morons and you're one of them, pretty much if you have that, that trajectory, you need to stop whatever the interchange is right then. And I'll tell you why. Because as your emotions go up, your reasoning power goes down. That's simply a fact. When your emotions go up, your reasoning power goes down. It's like a teeter-totter. And the reason we never had a fight is because one of us has the good sense to go, you know, this isn't going the right direction. We're not coming up with a solution. Let's just take a break here. And, and, we'll, and we'll think it through and we'll come up, solve the problem. That's what we'll do. Um, and so we've just had the most constructive life when it comes to differences because we, we see that we need to de-escalate the emotion in order to elevate the reasoning power. This is what it says in James. It says in James uh, chapter, nine, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. What? Yeah, just you're not there just to wait for your turn to respond. Listen. And slow to speak. You know what you have to do to keep listening? Don't talk. I mean, seriously. Don't talk. Even when there is an opening, don't respond right away. Because if you're just waiting for your turn, you're not listening. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger because... Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I taught you last time I was here, righteousness is meeting the demands of a relationship. You won't reconcile relationships. You won't solve problems with human anger. It doesn't happen. And so therefore, it's really important to monitor yourself as you're going through. Think of it like this. 
I want you to, and some of you have heard this before. It's, it's a great, I didn't come up with this. This is acrostic, great acrostic. Before speaking out of emotion, think. That word stands for, here's the letters, question yourself, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? All right. Is what I'm about to say helpful? Oh, there's something. You know, in Scripture, there's a, there's a Scripture, it's 1 Corinthians 10.23, that says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are allowable, but not all things are constructive. You may say, what I'm about to say is true, but let me ask you this. Is it going to be helpful? Because if it's not helpful, you have just exacerbated the problem instead of elevating the solution. As soon as we do one of these, communication has ended. It's gone. There's this invisible wall. And they've gone from a conversation to defense, self-defense. Is what you're about to say helpful? Is it inspirational? Think. Is it inspirational? See, you're not just a human being. You have the Holy God living inside of you. You have Jesus Christ living inside of you. Your level of conversation should be above anything in the world, no matter how smart they are. Is what you're about to say inspirational? Is it necessary? Oh, don't get me started on this. You know, what you may say, it may be true, uh, it, may be, it, may, it may even be helpful, but is it, is it necessary? The more you say, the less action is going to be evoked because you're now just in a conversation. I'm in a whole lot of conversations. They just talk, nothing ever gets done. Never get, they just talk. They just, they just talk. Is what you're saying, about to say, necessary? Is it really necessary for that conversation? If it's not, don't say it. Don't say it. It just will provide a detour. Um, um, and, and, and last, and this is most important, is it kind? Is it kind? Is what about to come out of your mouth kind? You know what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4? Um, it, it says, put that up. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness... His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is, intend, is intended to lead you to repentance. You know, if you have a chance in the world of changing another person's mind, it will not come from attack. It will not come from coercion. It'll come from kindness. It'll come from, from somebody going, you know, you've been so nice and so patient with me, maybe I ought to consider what you have to say. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's, and, and, so, and so keep in mind that emotion uh, right, reasoning teeter-totter. Secondly, understand or empathize from their perspective. Do you know, if you, if you or I just are so furious that another person can't understand what we're saying, there's a 99.9% .9 chance we are seeing it 
only from our own perspective. We are only thinking like we're thinking, and we're not seeing like they're seeing. We're not thinking like they're thinking. We're not understanding their point. It makes all the difference in the world to, to be able, it says in James chapter 3, verse 17, look at this, that we would be able to empathize with their point. It says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. You, you, you remember what shalom is, right? Or salam in Arabic. It is peace. It means the wholeness. Every part is considered and comes together in wholeness. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is considering every part. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. Are you just talking? Are you actually doing something that's helpful? Impartial and sincere. I, I, I've always been a runner, and, I, and I, um, I, I do a lot of my running on a treadmill these days while I'm listening to books, but, but it used to be I was just always out running in the Florida heat because uh, um, it's just what I did. And anyhow, one day I'm, I'm running. I'm at the end of about, this, about a six-mile run, and it's in the middle of the day. It's the only time I could get you know, free to, to go on a run. And boy, I'm suffering. I'm in pain. I'm hot. Um, and, and I come up into my neighborhood. Um, and it's a part of the neighborhood I don't usually go into. <clears throat> and I saw this guy. I, I mean, I was, I was furious. He's sitting out under the shade in one of these little beach chairs, these little lawn chairs that have short legs, you know. Um, and, and he's just planting flowers. And I'm just thinking, you got to be kidding me. I mean, here's a guy who does gardening who, who is sitting down to garden. You know, my body's hurting. I'm punishing my body. Why can't he? And I'm just buzzing by him. I'm just, I don't say anything because I'm slow to speak. But I'm thinking it. And I'm thinking, how in the world? And I just, I got past him, and I just looked back with this look of disdain. And notice, this guy has no legs. All of a sudden, my perspective changed on a dime. He turned from being the laziest person to be a person who would not let his disability make him lazy. Yeah. He went from heel to hero just in one simple perspective. I had seen him so differently than, than those who loved him saw him. Those who understood him saw him. You know, when we're talking about disagreements, the same thing can happen. If you just, for an instant, try to understand their life and where they're coming from, it means all the difference in the world. Number three, this is really important because God has not given you a spirit of control. <laughs> Please. You are only responsible for you. You have no right to try to control 
someone else's life. God didn't put you in charge. Now, let me say this to parents. Parents, you do have a responsibility to control your children's behavior. Please. It's good for them. It's work for you. It'll benefit us all. But you've got to realize that if you train up a child, and the word in Hebrew here is train them like you would a dog. In other words, just give them a pattern to follow all the time. You know, don't keep trying to make them understand abstract because they, they, they don't. They, but they do understand this is how life is lived. And so train up a child. But you've got to realize when that child becomes a thinking person, all bets are off. They're on their own, seriously. And they will be responsible for their own lives. And, and you can't control your kids once they are of age. And so here's what to remember. To save yourself a lot of grief, a lot of frustration, you can only control you. I grew up in a small town where kind of everybody knew everybody's business, which is both good and bad. I could never get into trouble because everybody in the, house, in the town knew about it. You know, everybody was your parent. You didn't have two parents back then. Anybody who was near you were your parent. Any adult would tell you what to do and how to live. And so, but we had a, we had a saying in our town. And this is back, you know, in the 50s in the Midwest. And the saying was, mind your own business. That, that was it. Mind your own business. Do you know where they got that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. <clears throat> Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Mind your own business. That person's business isn't your business. You mind your business. You do what you're supposed to do because you're responsible for you. This is key. It says in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, I love this. When it comes to conflict, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it live at peace with everyone, as far as it depends on you, you do the right thing. If they're not doing the right thing, that doesn't depend on you. That's on them. Don't you worry about them. You are responsible for you. I am responsible for me. If somebody's mad at me, that's their problem. They got to walk around with that. I'm not mad at me. I'm not mad at them. I'm not going to carry them around because I'm not in control of them. I'm not in charge of them. So if, 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 if there's, you know, there's a justice issue and, there, and sometimes there is, this, this chapter goes on to say, leave that to the Lord. You know, but the, you know, leave room for the wrath of God, the Bible says, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let me, let me ask you, you think you can do vengeance better than God can do vengeance? You really can't. Seriously. You know why? Because our vengeance is a different quality. Our vengeance is we want somebody to hurt. That's not God's vengeance. God's vengeance is I want somebody to get better. That's his vengeance. So God's vengeance will always come with an opportunity for repentance and repair. That's how God does vengeance. He always does vengeance, giving people an opportunity for redemption. Ours is just 
the natural cultural thing. And I got to tell you, we belong to a culture that is now promoting conflict more than ever. And I don't say that just weren't they the good old days. I say that out of sociological, factual studies. I say that out of how, how programs get ratings now. Programs get ratings from conflict. Media gets ratings from conflict, from polarization, from division, from damage. That's, how, that's, that's what our culture is promoting. And so we've got to realize how different we are than the world. Because we don't have to go there. That's not who lives in us. I heard this story once. I love this story. And if it's not true, it ought to be. Uh, but there's this story that's been going around for years. It's about back when the Berlin Wall, some, some of you are old enough to remember the Berlin Wall. Um, um, Becky's brother was in Berlin when the wall came down. He's got a piece of the Berlin Wall. It's just a, it's just a great, iconic um, moment in our history. But you remember how, how Jesus talked about, you know, he he's, takes down the dividing wall so that the two become one. That's, that's who we are. That's who we got living in us. And so, and so there's this story. Uh, the East Berliners and the West Berliners sometimes kind of insulted one another, and they, and they, and they um, would throw insults back and forth. One night, the East Berliners, these people who were living under communism. It was just gray and dark and kind of hopeless. And, and uh, so they thought they would play a trick. And there was this line of uh, this neighborhood very close to the wall in West Berlin. And one night, in the middle of the night, they dumped truckloads of just garbage over the wall into these people's backyards. The people in West Berlin who happened to be Christians didn't respond right away. You know why? Because they were slow to anger. They were slow to anger. They didn't respond right away. They got together and they said, I know some of you are like, I'm going to worry about this. I'm a little worried myself. There, I got it. Holy cow. Yeah, thank you. Thank God for small victories. So hang on, let me reset this. They were, they, were, they were slow to anger. They were slow to speak. And they got together and they prayed. What should we do? A few nights later, in the middle of the night, corresponding to the time when all of this garbage was dumped in their lawns, they climbed up the same spot, the ladders, and they lowered baskets of blankets, warm bread, children's toys to the other side with this note, you can only give what you have. See, we got Jesus. We haven't got garbage in here. We got Jesus. We got to give what we have. And we can't respond just with, well, what, what about me? What about my 
perspective? What about what I think is right? That's, you're not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. It's always what about us? How do we do this together? Let me tell you one more story. I, I, I heard this story about this uh, monk who was a Christian who wanted to visit a Buddhist monastery high in the Himalaya mountains. And he wanted to learn their ways. He wanted to, to befriend them. And, and so he hired a guide to take him up this very steep path. And, and, and they got, you know, a good ways up. As a matter of fact, they were, they were, they were close to the monastery. They could almost see the monastery. And a, a storm blew up. And, and in that elevation and in that part of the world, when a storm blows up, it can be devastating immediately. I mean, I mean, blizzards and, and immediate inches of snow. And one of these storms came. And his guide looked, turned to the monk and said, we, ha we have to hurry or we'll both die. And the monk started to hurry, but he heard somebody moaning off to the side of the path. And when he went over to examine, he saw someone who had fallen and broken their legs. And he looked at, uh, broken their leg, and he looked at the guide and he said, we, we got to help this guy. And the guide said, no, you, you don't understand. If we tarry, we will both die. We will freeze to death. The monk said, I, I can't leave him behind. You go ahead, save yourself. I've got to try to help. And so the guide hurried on ahead. The monk rigged up this sled out of, a, out of a, uh, his, his cloak and a couple of sticks. And he just started that very difficult climb that remained between him and the monastery. He was working so hard. His legs were burning. He was almost sweating. It was so, so much of an effort. And he could see now that he was going to make it to the monastery. And just when he saw that, he stumbled over this lump in the snow. And he bent down and he cleared it off. And it was the body of his guide. It was the strain that saved the monk. It was the compassion that he would not leave someone behind. It was the character of Jesus that said, this is not about my comfort. This is not even about my pain. This is about us. I will not leave you behind. That's the kind of people he wants to create. The ones who will not leave others behind. The ones who will gain in their understanding and in their character because they have listened and loved out of their irritation. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this word from your word. We just ask you, Lord Jesus, to make us more like you, to make us be someone who wants to understand and live the life of those who irritate us so that we can know even more 
how our gifts will make a difference in this world. We love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.